This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries. Hey. Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, and welcome to our first midweek episode. Wowzer. We shall call this Hillbilly Horror Stories Midweek Episode One. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, just so we'll remember how this was going to work. So, on the Regular episode on Sunday nights, no interviews or anything like that. Just the stories. And on these episodes, we're going to give you a short story, 10, 15 minutes, like we usually do, except it'll be you know a shorter version. So this will give us a chance to throw in some of the stories that really aren't big enough for the full episode, but we'll work for this. And then we'll have a special guest on. Sometimes that will be an author. Sometimes it will be paranormal investigators, like tonight. We have Craig Nairing, who's an author of uh, a bunch of stuff, and, and his group, Fox Valley Ghost Hunters, came on and talked to us for about, I think, 35, 40 minutes, and a bunch of cool stuff we talked about. They tell us some stories about some of the investigations. Very interesting. I think you guys are going to like that. And then sometimes we'll have authors, and uh, sometimes it'll be listener stories. All kinds of stuff we'll do. We'll, it's a mixed bag of everything. So that happens on the Wednesday night episode, and then that way we got some people who don't like interviews and stuff. So if you don't like interviews, you can listen to the short story and be done. But on that'll keep from having any interviews on Sunday nights. Sounds good. Tonight, I want to start off talking about uh, Bonnie Springs Ranch. Now, Bonnie Springs Ranch is nestled in the desert just outside of the infamous Las Vegas Strip. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about this for a very specific reason, because we're not going to be able to ever go now. Why? Well, you children are talking about the Bunny Ranch. No, because I'm going there. <laughs> it's <laughs> this is supposed to be one of the most haunted spots in Nevada, and like I said, I wanted to discuss it now because I just recently found out that it was sold back in March, and they were going to tear down the entire town. Oh, you mean like March of this year? Yes. Yeah. So I don't, and like I said, it, I didn't find out until just now about it uh-huh. when I was looking up some stuff. So this place would have been really cool to visit. There was like a miniature train ride there. There was a zoo, a wax museum, and all that was at a ghost town. So there was also a hotel and a bar. So so let's talk a little bit about the ranch. The ranch sat on 63 acres, and the land itself was a stopover uh, on the Spanish Trail on the way out to California in the 1800s during the gold rush. Mm -hmm. And it was also the land that the Paiute tribe uh, considered their land. So they lived there as well. In 1952, Bonnie McGall, she bought the land. Her and her husband found some blueprints of a town that they wanted to build. But they didn't have the the supplies to do it. They didn't have the resources to be able to do it. So it took until the 1970s. Now, how they were able to get this town built was they went to other ghost towns and bought buildings that they no longer wanted or was going to tear down. They bought them for a lot less than they Mm -hmm. could have Mm -hmm. or would have, you know, if they were in demand. 
They disassembled them, brought them back, reassembled them on the land, and then eventually they, doing this enough times, made a whole town. Well, that's pretty smart on their end. Then the zoo and the motel came after that. Uh, Obviously, the name Bonnie Springs Ranch came from the owner, Bonnie McGall. As it should be. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. So if you visited, though, you didn't know any difference. You would think that this was just an authentic ghost town, but in reality, it was built by moving one building from another which is like kind of like Old Spring, Texas, if you remember. Uh, there was a t- the curse on the town in Old Spring where they were, if they were afraid to build, because every time they re- rebuilt, the town burnt down. Oh, yeah. So they started taking buildings from other places and bringing them back. <laughs> That's how they did that to avoid the curse. So let's talk about some of the paranormal activity and hauntings here. The most common spotted ghost on the ranch is a little girl, and they say that she's mostly seen playing in and around the schoolhouse. This just basically means that being dead doesn't keep her from trying to get her learn on. (laughs) And get her learn on. (laughs) Another spooky thing that happens here is that the merry-go-round turns on all by itself. So the merry-go-round just starts spinning, and there's no wind or anything that could have caused it. Nobody around um, that could have been turning it on. Nobody had access to it. So she's doing it. That's what most people seem to think. They suspect that the little girl is playing on it. And it would make sense, the little girl playing on a merry-go-round. Well, good for her. She don't have no dang lines to wait in. She can just hop on up there. I don't think I've ever seen lines at a merry-go-round anyway. It's like the most horrible, unfun ride ever. I don't know. You don't, have you never rode on one of those horses? Yes. In your life? They go up and down. hoop de doo Aw. And go around in a very slow circle. Hmm. So. I thought they were nice. Okay. Well, I mean, we're just, sort of we're, like being on a stripper pole, but we'll, you don't really have to do anything. <laughs> we'll agree to disagree, and that's <laughs> nothing like being on a stripper pole. <laughs> well, you can go up and down. You can just ride a horse while you do it. <laughs> oh no! You talked about talking about stripper poles and riding horses and going up and down. And my mind's this, everywhere. This is a family show. Sorry. Let's keep it that way. Let's talk about the wax museum. It has seen its share of paranormal activity. So the museum was set up kind of like a a maze where you had to kind of find your way out. Okay? That's what a maze is. That's very astute of you. (laughs) Do you know how proud I am of you? All right. Many people say (laughs) that the wax figures move all on their own. Some say that you can see their chest moving out in and out as if they're inhaling and exhaling. Oh, my gosh. I would croak. This wasn't something, though, that was only seen by visitors. The management team at the ranch said that they had to nail down some of the displays because they moved out of position so often. Oh, God, that's annoying. (laughs) I'll be like, what'd I say? Stay in your place. (laughs) We saved the most notable for last. So there's an entity that haunts the opera house. This is supposed to be a very dark presence, according to everybody that's kind of uh, on the site there. Look, if I was even a ghost, I wouldn't want to haunt an opera house. Oh, that awful noise. Uh, uh, wait a minute. How's opera go again? Like that. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> they said this entity likes to follow people through the building, and it's in the form of a shadow figure. It's even been captured in pictures and even heard on EVPs by several paranormal investigators. Sadly, though, like I said, you will never be able to experience any of this because the ranch has, the ranch has uh, actually been part of a, a acquisition to where they were tearing it down. 
all that hard work and, yeah, and that's and, gone. And they're going to build 20 or so houses on the town. And there you go. So fun fact, though. We said it had a, like a petting zoo. Do you know how that zoo was started? Somebody petted an animal oh, on the street. Bless your heart. No. They were given two pygmy goats by Wayne Newton. Oh, look at just, Wayne. They used that to say, hey, we got two goats. Let's, let's get some more animals and start a zoo. Did they say, Dunk a shame? No, I think they Darling, said. Darling, I, I think they had to say, uh, uh, Goldie Shay. <laughs> they had, I don't know if they had donkeys or not. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, that's what I get paid to do. So, anyways. <laughs> That's our little story on Bonnie Springs up in uh, Nevada. That's a cool story. I can't believe they moved that whole, all them buildings over. Now it's like not there anymore. I know it. What a ripoff. I know. I would have liked to went there. But yeah, there's so cool. many places in the in the West that I want to go to, like mm-hmm. in the all these little ghost towns and yeah, stuff. Like yeah, yeah, definitely. City and um, all those I want to go to. But there's one that you know because you lollygagged and we didn't get out there. Now it's gone. What? So I blame you. What? You know, I wanted to go to these things years ago. Why? Why lollygag? Well, you didn't lollygag, but I can't get you anywhere near Las Vegas because I can't spend thousands of dollars on this trip. <sighs> and that's what it would have turned into doing. Maybe I would have won that thousand dollars and oh, you would have been like, yeah. oh, yeah. And maybe Santa Claus would have been right there next to you with the Easter Bunny. You better not say anything about <laughs> Santa Claus because I'll punch you in your face. All right. So let's listen to our interview with Craig Nearing and uh, we had the Clevengers on there. Husband and wife team. That's his lead investigators. It's a, a fun time. We talked about a bunch of stuff. I think you guys will enjoy this. Hey guys, this is the first night of doing the uh, the midweek episodes, and I promised you guys some some good special guests, and uh, we're going to start it off with a bang. So we've got three members of the Fox Valley Ghost Hunters, uh, including uh, uh, Melissa and Travis Clevenger, and then the founder Craig Nering. Uh, who has actually been on before the show when we did our uh, Summer Winds Mansion episode, uh, probably a year ago or so, uh, Craig came on and, and talked to us. And, of course, you probably remember from back then, he was the co-author of Wisconsin's Most Haunted, Volume 1 and 2. And then he's also got uh, a newer book that's been out since then, author of the Archives of Ghost Hunters, which was released right at the end of 2018. Craig, thanks for coming on, brother. Thank you. Now, you've got quite a background in doing this stuff. I mean, you've—I've heard you on Coast to Coast. I've heard you on uh, uh, Beyond Reality, which is Jason Hall's podcast. And of course, he was the uh, original Ghost Hunter from the TV show uh, Ghost Hunters back with Taps. So, kind of a cool experience to be on there with him. And, and Coast to Coast is a legendary show. Anytime you can get on there, that says something about your credibility. But you got a bunch of new stuff that's happening. Uh, especially work that you're doing with a series coming out called uh, Truth or Legends in Your Hometown. Tell me a little bit about that to start off with, Craig. Uh, well, yeah, um, the show Truth or Legends, which is coming out in 2020, um, basically Gavin Kelly, he's one of the producers uh, with Paula Purcell Kelly, and he is a, also a country, music, uh, country artist as well down in Nashville. And, uh, he basically, we, he called me up one day, we talked for a while and, uh, wanted to do something. So he had this, uh, idea of, uh, us investigating four haunted locations in the state of Wisconsin. And we got to pick four locations to investigate. Two are in Green Bay, 
one's in Milwaukee and another one's in Wisconsin Rapids. So what our team did was we did an investigation of each one of these places. And then afterwards, a couple months later, he came up with his wife to uh, do the reveals, like to uh, go over all the evidence that we captured and all that evidence will be shown on the TV show when it comes out in 2020. Really cool. Really cool. Now you've got Melissa and Travis on online with us. Um, Melissa, you've had paranormal experiences pretty much since the time you were little, and now you're a paranormal investigator. Tell me a little bit about how how you wove your interest into actually being a paranormal investigator. Sure. Uh, so basically, growing up, I until about the age of 15, I would see ghosts or spirits. Um, they didn't really interact with me, but I always saw them like walking by me or kind of in my room. And I've always heard them communicate with me, um, so that I still somewhat have. Um, so I've always been into anything paranormal. It's kind of who I am. It's part of my life. Um, I ended up joining a team in St. Louis a few years back and that's like 12 hours away. So I found Fox Valley Ghost Hunters and I'm honored to be part of this team. Now, Travis, your husband is also part of the team. And I was talking to Travis a little bit ago and Travis said he's been a skeptic most of his life. And uh, he's had some experiences recently that's kind of opened his eyes. Travis, first of all, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's, it's an honor. Now, are Travis, are you able to talk a little bit about some of the experiences that you've had that's that's opened your eyes? Or is that something you'd rather keep private? Oh, no, I can talk about it. It's, it's actually quite funny. Um, the first experience that kind of opened my eyes was we were coming back from a Timber Rattlers game, a baseball game in Appleton. And uh, we lived behind a mausoleum. So me being the goofball that I am, I rolled down the windows and I was, you know, yelling out the windows saying, hey, thanks for being great neighbors and being quiet and stuff. So then we went to bed and uh, Melissa had to get up early for work and she comes out of the, the bedroom and comes right back in and she says, you need to get up and see this. And I'm like, well, what is it? We just got to bed like three hours ago and whatever. So I, I, I come out of the bedroom. And every kitchen cupboard door and drawer was open. So that one kind of opened my eyes a little bit. <laughs> we don't laugh or talk to the neighbors anymore. I, I would think not. No, <laughs> we, 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 we just let them keep to themselves. So let me ask you this, because you were a skeptic. Melissa, this has been something that you said has basically been your whole life. How long have you guys been together? And Travis, what did you think when you first got together with her, knowing that this was something she really believed in and and actually communicates uh, with some of these people? What were your initial thoughts when you got together on that? Well, um, as far as when I found out that she was uh, into the paranormal and stuff like that, is that what you're asking? Or right when you when you first met her and found out that's what she was into, what was your thought process? I thought she was crazy. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe that uh, how intuitive she is and you know it, it was i just i couldn't put my hands around it i couldn't get a grasp on it so but later on down the road it, it became a little bit easier and and more things happening and happening in my life um kind of made it easier to accept that you know paranormals it's out there do you think that your two connections to each other opened up 
things that might not have been there? Do you think if you hadn't met her that you might not have had experiences? I think that being okay, let me rephrase that. Um, meeting her and, and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, I might still be a skeptic, but I can, that makes sense. Craig, can you give me an update on summer winds? I know the last time we talked, they were trying to, uh, you were, and you were actually like a big part of actually trying to help them raise money to, um, kind of get the ball rolling again and get that thing rebuilt. Have we made any progress on that? A little bit, but it's all kind of like in a standstill. I've been, I've had worked with uh, a couple different producers, even um, Jeff Belanger, who actually did, uh, he's a producer of the Ghost Adventure show. He was uh, working with us for a while to try to find uh, some type of prospect like uh, A&E or the Travel Channel or someone else to take on the rebuilding of Summer Wind. And not only did he want to rebuild Summer Wind, he wanted to rebuild everything, including the the mansion, the servants' quarters, the garage, everything. And he says the only the problem is that it would be a great great idea because there's no one out there that has ever rebuilt a haunted mansion. It's a it's a new new concept. So that's the thing people are are kind of afraid of is to rebuild something and not have them get any return on their you know the outcome. Sure. Now, there was, uh, we did come into, uh, the idea that summer wind was not, uh, burned or not struck by lightning, that someone actually burned it to the ground. And we were trying to work on that aspect too. But, uh, have since then just kind of laid low and hoping that, uh, we can find the right person to still come forward and say, Hey, you know, you know, we'll do this. Uh, I mean, you're probably looking at half a million dollars to start, but, uh, um, there might be somebody out there that has a love for uh, haunted mansions that says, hey, let's do this. It's In fact, it was just listed in the Milwaukee Journal just three days ago as the number one haunted location in the United States. Oh, wow. You know, that that's kind of – I say this not trying to be negative, but so many of these things, like these lists and stuff like that of the most haunted, I mean, a lot of it is really up for interpretation because – you can look at the top 10 list of most haunted places in the world from 50 different locations. And you, some of them will only have two that's in the other top 10. And so it is kind of subjective. Wouldn't you say? Sure. I mean, that's the, they said that like the top 18 and, you know, they include Myrtle's plantation. They include uh, Gettysburg. They include uh, Waverly Hills, all in that whole thing. I, I went to uh, Gettysburg uh, three days ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was. We were. We were. Got to spend, spend some time up in Philadelphia. It was so awesome. We were up there with Dina Marie from Twisted Philly, and we got to tour Pinhurst, and uh, we went to <laughs> Terror Behind the, the Walls up at uh, Eastern State in the same day. On top of visiting Laurel Hill Cemetery, you talk about a trifecta of of uh, fun places of haunted haunted places in the Philadelphia area. That it doesn't get any easier than that. That's for sure. Nice. Did you get to go there at night or just during the day? Well, we went during the day to the the cemetery in the uh, Penhurst, but as far as terror behind the walls, we went uh, at nighttime. So it was during the actual haunted attraction, so we didn't get to see much of the uh, the historical aspect of it. Gotcha. So talk to me about the state of Wisconsin. 
obviously, when I think when most people think of Wisconsin, it's from a, a paranormal standpoint, you think of the Beast of Bay, Bray Road, and you think of Summer Winds. What are some some other places out there that, that you've talked about maybe in your books that the average person outside of Wisconsin may be unaware of? What are some of the, the better stories out there? Well, right now we're actually doing uh, haunted tours pretty much almost every weekend for the public, pretty much every weekend for the public till uh, the second week, the first weekend in November. And it's uh, Sheboygan County Insane Asylum. It's, we're the first team ever to have access into this building to get to bring the public in and investigate. And we've had some amazing experiences. Everything from Travis and Melissa and me have been overwhelmed with uh, the activity in there at some nights. Let me ask your opinion on something. Because I like to ask every paranormal investigator this, and I don't think I got to ask you this the last time you were on. What is your opinion on orbs? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um. They actually, my a lot of my uh, people that ask me that online, quite a few, and they'll send me pictures of uh, their orbs and stuff that they capture. And sometimes it looks like it's snowing. And uh, my explanation, more or less, along the lines of the orb, never really been played a part in the paranormal until digital cameras and other cameras were developed. The orb was an unknown term, other than a. Uh, when the digital cameras started coming up and, you know, taking pictures in digital and using your camera phones on your phones, you would have the orbs that would appear. It's the spears. So they called them orbs. But for the most part, uh, I think I've seen, if you want to talk as a true orb, I think I've only seen one, I'll call it a light anomaly that I've probably seen in one in maybe 10 years of me doing this. Everything else that it captures usually dust in front of the lens, pollen, bugs, um, even spiders crawling up. And um, people will send me pictures of these bright lights on their DVR, and all it is is a spider going up of a web, and it's catching it just at the right point. Yeah, that's that's yeah. always been my kind of thought process too. Is it's more dust and stuff like that. Uh, like you said, the the what I would consider true orbs are more light anomalies, and like I said that. I've never personally seen one, but I've heard uh, like the, the story of the San Pedro poltergeist. I don't know if you're familiar with that story, but she had a blue light that would follow her around the house. And when I think orbs, that's more or less what I'm thinking of, not the things that show up in pictures. What's your thought, Melissa Travis? I definitely agree with that. Um, I think most of them are dust or bugs. Um, I'm kind of, kind of skeptical on the orbs, but I, I agree with you on that. I, I don't think they're going to show up in every picture. <laughs> Craig, well, I got a I question. Guess, um, Go oh, ahead. I'm sorry. Um, I yeah. Oh, no, that's fine. Um, the whole orb thing, unless one does like circles around a person and then flies away and does nothing, you know, until I see one, I mean, seeing is believing. So. Right. Well, speaking of seeing is believing, I got a question for all three of you. Travis, you might not have an answer for this one yet, but if you do, I'd love to hear it. Each one of you, tell me an experience that you had, if you've had one, that kind of rocked you a little bit, a little bit scared you, that kind of stands out amongst others. Uh, Craig, we'll start with you. Do you have an instance that just stands out amongst all your others where you actually were a little bit afraid, or uh, have you just handled everything in stride? 
Um, I actually got two stories. The first one happened on my very first investigation before I ever really got into the paranormal, you know, hardcore. We were doing an investigation at a haunted at a hospital that was in New London, Wisconsin, and uh, this the first time that I've ever captured EVPs or even voices on audio. And there was a basement, and below that basement, there was a sub-basement. So you had to walk down into the basement, and below that, there's another stairs going down in the total darkness where uh, the boiler room, the furnace room was, the place where they'd wash dishes and stuff was down in that area. And I remember looking around into the darkness, into the sub-basement, and I called out, Hey, is there anybody down there? And a voice comes back, and it must have been like inches away from me, and it said, No. And it was this long, whispered no. And it, it, it scared the heck out of me. It's the first time I ever really heard that type of thing, uh, disembodied voice, what you would call it. And uh, I basically had to take a step back, tell my friend, hey, we're going to take a little break here. You know, we'll come <laughs> back in. So that was one of the times. The other time that was really interesting, we were at a schoolhouse in Iowa it's called Farrar. Our team has been there probably about 18 times. We did a Paracon there last year. And uh, probably about three years ago, we were doing an investigation there. And up in the auditorium, which would be on the third floor, we had some air mattresses set up. And probably within no longer than like a half hour into our investigation, we heard something run into the room, something that you couldn't see, of course. And whatever it was that ran into the room ran across my friend's air mattress. The air mattress popped back up in the air and came back down. And I had a video recording at the time, and later on review on the video, you can clearly see the air mattress go up in the air. You can hear the footsteps run out into the room, but you can also hear the footsteps run back out. And at that time, as are running out the door, the DVR kept, captures what looks like a mist or an, possibly an apparition that went out. So um, that's that's two of my more more interesting stories. Now, as far as uh Something that's a little creepy. We went to Waverly Hills, uh, that's probably about three years ago as well. And I was taking pictures down some random hallways with some of my investigators sitting next to me. And I didn't get, see anything till we got home. But when we got home, there was eyes looking at us down in the hallway. There were like two bright red ones. <laughs> nice. I've spent my share of time in Waverly. So that place is just creepy sure. all on its own. Yeah. We, uh, it's funny that. There was the only air mattress story I've heard before this was was an experience we had, and it really didn't involve the air mattress other than the fact that it was in the room. But we spent the night, uh, my wife and I spent the night at the Sally House uh, back in uh, August, and we had an air mattress in there. And, and while we were laying on it, it just all of a sudden rapidly deflated, brand new, not had any issues <laughs> with it. But it just all of a sudden, just in the middle of the night, just like all the air went out of it for no reason whatsoever. Um, and like I said, it's, it, that was kind of a funny story, but, and then there was a bunch of other stuff that happened in the room with, uh, a young lady that was possibly in a trance or something that came into the room and didn't even know till she woke up the next day. So just kind of weird stuff. But until you had mentioned that, that was the only other air mattress story I know of was the, was mine. So that's kind of funny. So what about you, yes. Melissa? Um, I wouldn't say it's maybe not my scariest, but the one that will always, be in my mind that I can clearly still see. When I was younger, I was laying in my bed and on the side of my bed, um, raising straight up from the side of my bed was like a kid. He was probably like 10 years old and he was laying flat 
So like on his back laying flat and he was antique looking. So could completely see him, but he looked antique and he rose, was looking straight up at the ceiling. He rose all the way up and went through the ceiling. And that's just always stuck in my mind. It didn't really scare me, but it's just something that stuck with me. Um, scariest was not paranormal i'm terrified of bats and they seem to be every haunted place we go (laughs) (laughs) travis do you have one or have you have you gotten that far into it yet to have uh, a scary experience yet well shortly after that uh whole cupboard doors in my kitchen and every drawer being open um my daughter lives or has her room in the basement and she has her Xbox 360 set up in the, in the living area. And um, she walked past it one day, and she said it turned on by itself. And she stopped and looked, and she noticed that there was a, a shape sitting on the couch. So she called up to myself and Melissa and said, get down here now. So we went downstairs, and sure enough, Sitting on the left-hand side of the couch facing the TV was a perfectly mapped out shape of a, of a body. Hmm. And I'm just looking at it in disbelief. I'm like, how can that be? So I put my hand in front of it, and it maps my hand out. But the shape is still there. So Melissa, she grabs a um, throw blanket, and she's like, well, let's see what happens when I throw the blanket over there. So she threw the blanket where this this thing was and as soon as the blanket hit that spot the cursor on the screen went from the top right to the bottom left to the bottom right and then shut off huh. interesting so because so I, I couldn't explain it man <laughs> maybe it just wanted to play Fortnite <laughs> I have no idea but see now can you see where my skepticism is kind of going away now I, I could definitely see that I could definitely see uh, that yeah. so let me I'm going to ask I love to get certain opinions from when it comes from paranormal investigators. So, Craig, I'm going to start with you on this one. What are your thought process on paranormal entities in general? Do you believe that there are ghosts and demons, or do you think it's not as simple as that? What do you think is really out there in the afterlife? Well, a lot of our clients like to claim that they, everyone that talks to me has a demon in their house. Of course, it's rarely ever true um now only Zach baggins has demons in his house <laughs> pretty much <laughs> and he gets possessed in every episode exactly yeah um i i'd like to there's a different belief as far as ghosts and spirits like you know a lot of, a lot of us will use the term ghosts and spirits interchangeably um most people like to think that ghosts are the ones that are still on earth um whether they're here for specific reasons they don't want to cross over they don't want to um they just got unfinished business or whatever you want want to say and the other ones they talk about spirits being ones that have already gone to where they needed to go and have come back to communicate with us now that's you know i don't know if that's 100 percent my belief or not or if it's just something that i go with because everybody else kind of talks about it now as far as the demons and stuff now rarely I've never come across anything terrible since I've been doing this, um, per se. Um, everything that I've run into could be explained as a normal ghost, you know, doing the scratches, doing the, the normal stuff. But 
the only thing that I've come across was a girl that was once possessed that we did a, uh, had to have a priest come in and do an exorcism. Now, if you want to call that a, a demon or someone that's an, a negative energy that's taken over this girl's body, I guess it, it's, it's, guess it's hard to put a name on something if you really don't understand it. Well, let's, let's take it upon that then. Do you believe that there are negative energies as well as positive energies and maybe they're all just you know like do you feel like that if someone was a jerk on earth that in the afterlife they're still a jerk and maybe that's where some of these uh negative spirits are coming from and possibly not demons but just good and bad just like here on earth yeah i would i would probably say that because definitely uh, you would think that the the guy that was a com- complete prick or whatever if i can say that word um it's still a complete prick now. So that's I mean that's kind of what I believe. What about you, uh, Melissa, Travis? Well, I'll sound a little bit like a broken record because I mean I believe pretty much the same as Craig. But um, so many people perceive that you know everywhere that's haunted has demons or bad things, and I don't believe that. We've been to tons of places. I you know all over kind of the United States. Most places are good energy it's you know they're not all bad and i think they're different i mean a lot of these it's it was somebody's loved one and um yeah i think there can be negative spirits but pretty much what craig said i for the most part we have really good experiences and they just want to communicate with us what about you travis yeah i i totally agree um the spirits that we are, are communicating with um, were people once to. And with investigating like that, we take that into, into, into consideration. And like Craig said, you, if you're a bad person on earth, then if your spirit doesn't go to the other side and is in limbo, you're going to be a bad spirit. You know, so... And, and when investigating, we kind of take that in consideration too. We, we're compassionate. We're very nice to the spirits. We don't provoke. We don't, you know, do stupid stuff to get them to do stupid tricks. And we just go there and have a good time and, you know, treat them like they were, like they should be treated. Travis, what's your thought process on if you do run across a spirit on helping them to cross over or do you feel like that's not your place? Um, I believe that if, if we can help, we will. Um, if we can't, if we can't do it personally ourselves, we can, we have the uh, tools to find somebody that can help that spirit pass. I mean, if it's, if it's obviously coming to us every time we go into a place and it's constantly asking for help and telling us what they need help with, if we can't personally do it, then we'll find the tools necessary to, to get that spirit, the help that it needs. I know I was talking to uh, uh, Kim Russo. We had her on the show uh, one time, and she really has a, a really cool outlook on spirits and what happens in the afterlife. And I know she had said that in her thought process that some of these spirits just they just don't want to go anywhere else. They're just happy right there where they're at. And it's not a matter of not knowing how to. It's that for whatever reason they don't want to go to the light. They maybe they're just you know, they're, they're happy where they're at. And, uh, so, I mean, Craig, what would your thought process be on that? Do you think there's possibility that there's, there's spirits out there that just don't want to move on 
And it's not from a confusion standpoint, but just a choice. Well, after investigating the Ferrar Schoolhouse for many years now, 18 years, 18 different times we've been there, not 18 years, but 18 different times, um, we run across the same spirits all the time. Also, in a haunted school in Wisconsin Rapids called First Ward, there's the same girl that's there and the same boy that's there, Betty and Oscar. Now, I believe that I think that maybe some of their most amazing times in life might have been when they were in school with the other kids. Yeah, that makes sense. So I, mean, I know you hear a lot of you know loved ones that stay in the house that they built and grew up with family and you know I, I know I had a situation in the past where a, a young lady friend of mine that that was a medium was in our house it just happened to be on my birthday and it was the birth my first birthday after my mom had passed and she was telling me that you know my mom was in that house and she stood behind my dad all the time and. Uh, if I ever saw the dog looking up, and because she noticed it a few times that day that the dog was just looking there, she said that's what the dog was looking at. Um, so I, I do believe that sometimes people, when they pass on, they just they want to hold on as long as they can uh, for whatever reason. But that brings me to another point about pets and what they see. What are your guys? And I'll start with Craig. What are you, what is your opinion on animals and the ability to see spirits? I would definitely say so. I wouldn't say so much on – everybody says their cats always see uh, um, things in, in the room, and it's hard to tell what a cat really sees because cats are kind of crazy to begin with. Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> but um, dogs, on the other hand, um, there's been times where I've had clients call me up and tell me that their dog's staring at something in the room or barks at something that they can't see. I would think that uh, dogs are a little bit more uh, in tune with what's – really there and what's really not there what about you Melissa? um unfortunately we don't really know but i know like when my brother passed away about 20 years ago um our cat at that time laid by his bedroom door like day and night so it's like you know they feel stuff but mm -hmm. um also we have a lot of activity pretty much everywhere we've ever lived um i think it just kind of goes with you. me <laughs> yes but um say like when our closet doors just randomly open or our doors slam um you know the dogs will always look or run over there and so yeah i think they do travis well, i think i think uh i think animals have a an extra sensory that that um that allows them to sense something that's not visible to our eye or our hearing or, or smell or whatever. So, but yeah, I think they, I think they can sense differences in, in things. Do you guys run into many spirits of animals? I know we did a show recently about ghost animals of all different types, whether it be uh, uh, livestock, even, and uh, everything from goats to horses and uh, chickens to, you know, the, the average dogs and cats out there. Some people believe, and I think this goes to some religious beliefs, that animals don't have spirits. People have spirits. Animals don't, and, and it is what it is. When the animal's gone, it's just gone. I personally don't believe that. I do believe that there are spirits of animals. And some of the research that I've done from people who believe the same thing say that they feel like that the bond you have with a pet is unlike any bond that you'll have in your life. And that's, you know, with that strong of a bond that pets do tend to stay with you throughout life 
uh, and it's almost like an eternity type, type thing, the bond. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on, on if you've seen animals, first of all, in, in your investigations, and what are your thoughts on if animals actually do have spirits? Craig, I'll start I, with you. Okay. Um, we had, I had two occurrences. One was in a, we did a barn in Freedom, Wisconsin investigation where the, the farmhand was, uh, attacked by a bull in the corral and, um, basically it killed him. But while we were there doing the investigation, we had captured a cow that was mooing on the audio. Now there were no cows there. This farm was, uh, um, there's bacon, you know, bacon to any animals or anything. There was nothing on that farm animal wise anymore. And there's no farms around for miles. And we had captured a, a, a cow that was mooing. And I had mentioned it to the, uh, the, the homeowner. I said, Hey, we captured a cow that mooed on the audio. And she's like, well, that's kind of weird because she goes, we had a, used to have a cow and the cow died during giving birth to uh, its calves. So that that was one of the instances. Then we also did a uh, investigation at a place called Green Greenville Station in Greenville, Wisconsin, just outside of Appleton. And there's known to be a little girl there that used to have a, a pet, a dog. And uh, three of our investigators were sitting in the bar area after it was closed down. Something ran, brushed into my legs, ran past me, bumped into this other girl's legs, and then into the the other guy's legs, and went off wherever it went. And we swear up and down that there was a dog. So, hmm. what about you, Melissa? So, I've never had experiences when we're investigating with animal spirits, um, but I've had two experiences with my own pets. Uh, one, when I was younger, w- one of our cats was having surgery, and I had three friends over, and we were sitting there, and all of a sudden, we saw my cat walk around the corner and looked just like it would so we all jumped up like kitty you're home and uh then it disappeared and we all saw it but at that time my cat would have been in surgery and the cat was fine it lived nothing was wrong with it but it was just odd um another time is i had a teacup poodle and it passed away and for about five nights um my dog would always sleep kind of by my head and it made a sound like when it would sleep and I heard that sound for about five nights. So I, so yeah, I would say they do have spirits, but investigating wise, I haven't really came across much. Travis, you're an avid hunter and a fisherman. So you've got your share of of dealings with animals, probably more or less creating ghosts, but uh, I don't don't have any uh, ghost bucks coming to my house anytime soon, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I did have a hunting dog. And I'm not sure if this is like residual memory or, you know, in my mind, but she was an outdoor dog and I had to put her down. And um, for like four or five nights, I would hear her barking in the backyard. So I don't know if that would be like a residual uh, memory or if it was if it was if it was her. So I don't know. But as far as investigating, I have never came across any anything, you know, paranormal. Last question I have for each one of you. I always ask the paranormal investigators this, and then we'll uh, find out after this what you guys have coming up in the near months for us. But, Craig, I'll start with you on this one. If you can investigate any place in the world, money's not an object. You're just going to fly out 
to wherever it is that you haven't already investigated, what would that place be? What's your dream location? Um, I'm not sure what castle it is, but it's the Bram Stoker, the the Dracula castle. Oh yeah, yeah, What's yeah. What's that called? I forgot what the actual name of that one is. Yeah, that's in. The, is that Romania where that one's at? Romania, yes, yes. Yeah. That's where I would like to uh, go. Sure. We had a listener that's uh, stationed over in Germany in the military. She actually <laughs> went over there and took a bunch of pictures and uh, and sent them to us. It's a really spooky looking place. Travis, what about you? Well, that's a tough one. Um, you can go to Alcatraz. I mean, that'd be cool. But, you know, you got to go to where it all started. Like, I would say probably like Ireland, England area. Just do a bunch of tours over there and see what you can find. Look at you. I tell you, you pick one place and you want to do tours of two different countries. That's fine. <laughs> I want to do one country. How's that? <laughs> Melissa, what about you? Oh, I have always had a bucket list. So I, I've been kind of going through my bucket list. I would say right now, I would love to do the Queen Mary. Yeah, I would, I would love. I was, I was just listening to something earlier today and they mentioned the Queen Mary. And I was thinking, man, I would love to go out there and just spend the night there. I, I, yeah, I'm not yeah. even into the ghost hunting thing. I just like to spend the night in all these places, even though I never get any kind of um, any kind of reactions to anything. My wife gets stuff, but I think that's just because <laughs> she's scared to death of all these places. So I'm dragging her to another one next Saturday to spend a night out at the Talbot Tavern in Bardstown, Kentucky. Ah, uh, nice. So, Craig, tell me a little bit about. Uh, What's going on with the group, how people get in touch with you, and uh, anything they should be looking out for in the, in the coming months? Um, well, right now I'm going to be starting um, my fourth book, which will be Archives of a Ghost Hunter, Volume 2, which I'm hoping to have out by, I don't know, spring of uh, 2020, maybe summer. And then I was also asked to write a book for the History Press for uh, – haunted locations uh in the appleton the fox cities area and they want me to try to get that released by 2021 um otherwise you can find us definitely on facebook we got a lot of followers on there you can they can find uh, all the different events the tours that we allow the public to go on under fox valley ghost hunters on facebook as well as on our website foxvalleyghosthunters.com Fantastic, guys. We appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us. I uh, hope you had a good time and looking forward to when the books come out. Like I said, uh, send us a message when uh, when uh, that new book comes out, and uh, maybe we'll get you back on to uh, talk about a story or two from there. That sounds great. Thank you. Melissa, Travis, thank you guys for joining us. Hey, thank thanks you. Thanks a lot for having us. And uh, don't be strangers. You know where to find us. Oh, heck yeah. So how cool would it be to be investigators and just go check all that stuff out all the time? Be very, very um, scary. So hopefully, because um, they mentioned on there that I gave them an invite to the Bobby Mackey show. Oh, that good. Was, mm-hmm. That was on uh, some bucket list there. Okay, good. So hopefully uh, we can get them out to the, that show too. Yeah. It's a fun life. I'm glad they, you know, have fun doing it. You know, it's still scary though. <laughs> it you is. never know when somebody's going to hitch a ride with you. Come back <laughs> that, to your house. That 100% is the truth. Yes. So, yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much, and we'll see you on Sunday. Bye, guys.